to have faithful people blessing us. It really is. Last few weeks, number of weeks, we've been looking at this whole aspect about growing in the grace of God. And um, we've taken that phrase from 2 Peter chapter 3, where the Apostle Peter says, But you grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As a result of Jesus being in our lives, we are growing in His grace. Sometimes I've said that, you know, when we look at our lives, we may think that we're not growing. We may think that we, you know, our whole life is going in reverse. But I want to say to you, on the authority of the Bible, as a result of Jesus being in your life, in spite of all of the wrong decisions that we make, in spite of all of the wrong actions that we do sometimes, you're growing. You really are. Because Jesus is at the center of your heart. Jesus is at the center of your life. And even when your flesh, even when your ways collide with Jesus' ways, I want to tell you, grace is going to win the day. It really is. Grace is going to win the day. Your flesh is no competitor to the grace of God. It may seem that you've had a difficult week this week. It may seem that, you know, 95% of the week has been full of flesh. It's been a hard battle and you've been losing and you've failed and you've, you've given up sometimes and, you know, you've succumbed to temptation. But I want to tell you, in spite of all of that, God never gives up on us. Grace never gives up on us. You are growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that grace is going to outgrow everything that you've been, everything that I've been, everything uh, uh, where I am and where you are. That grace is going to outgrow and it's going to outspill over your life. And at the end of it all and through it all, you're going to be able to say that God does exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. That's what grace does. It really does. It'll blow your mind. It's not invisible, we've said. It's tangible. It's not invisible. It's visible. It's not an intention. It's an action. You can see grace. You can sense grace. When somebody is walking in this grace, very real things happen. Very real things take place in other people's lives. Grace is an act of kindness. It's many things, but one thing it is, it's an act of kindness. We saw that when we looked at the, the man dying on the road, on the Jericho road. And that priest and that Levite passed him because they, they didn't have any grace in their lives. They had the law. They had history and heritage. They had everything on the outside, but nothing on the inside. But along came a good Samaritan and... He knelt down at the man that was dying. He knelt down beside the man that was dying. And it says that he was moved with compassion. He was graceful. It was a kind act that that man did to save that other man's life. It was a compassionate act. Grace is not invisible. It's visible. And there are opportunities around each and every one of us on a daily basis. Whereby the grace of God is going to gain opportunity to glorify Jesus through you and I. Really is. We looked last week at 
You know, or, or I referred to uh, John chapter 20 last week where the disciples were hidden away in a room. The doors were locked. They were afraid of everybody. They were badly beat up. Over the course of the days before, Jesus had been crucified. Over the, over the course of the days before, the whole city of Jerusalem had been in terrible turmoil. Thousands of, thousands of people had gathered to see Jesus crucified. It looked as if Jesus was finished. It looked as if this, this church that he said, I will build and, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It looked as if all of that had been squashed. And the disciples because of fear of the Jews, because of fear of all of the voices that were so loud and prevalent in their world, were hidden away behind locked lock doors. They were badly beat up. They didn't think that they were ever going to achieve anything with their lives. But I want to say this to you. Grace was about to win the day in their lives. Grace was about to win the day. Jesus walked into the midst. He didn't knock the door. He doesn't have to do that. He didn't have to unlock the door. He just walked through all of the barriers, stood in the midst and said, peace, peace. And immediately, I believe, when he says words like that, all of their fears dissipated. All of their fears had to bow the knee. All of the reasons why they should turn around and go back to their old jobs and, and, and their old lives. All of the reasons that, that had mounted up in their minds that had, had, had convinced them that they were disqualified and, and they were failures. All of those reasons that they were captive by suddenly bowed the knee when Jesus said, peace, peace. And right there in that moment, Jesus, in the privacy of a room, he didn't publicize it. He didn't have to. He'd risen from the dead. He didn't market it well like our world would do. Hey, Jesus has risen from the dead. No, he was going somewhere with these men. And he, before they were to meet their world, he met with them privately. And God will meet with you privately. He'll give you an audience with him like he gave these men an audience. And he'll deal with your fears. He'll deal with the reasons why you feel you, that you think you're a failure. He'll deal with all of the arguments that, that are queuing up to get to you. To tell you that you can't reach the world in which you live. He'll give you that audience. Why? Because he loves you. Why? Because grace is growing in you. Grace is going to change you. And grace is going to enable you and empower you to do everything that God has called you to do. Even if you feel a failure. Listen, the Bible's full of failures. An angel turns up to Gideon and says, hey, mighty man of valor. Who, me? What happens when you come face to face with the plan of God for your life? And that plan is so extreme. That plan is so out of proportion to who you are. And to what you've got inside, what happens? Well, you recoil back to your history like Gideon did. Well, I, I'm, my family's the least in the nation. And I'm the least in my family. You bring up all of your reasons. It's what we do. But God's grace 
in that man's life made him what he could never be outside of God's grace. And God's grace in our lives is going to enable us to be everything that God has spoken to us and promised us in his scriptures, in his word. It really is. So these men, much like Gideon, were beat up, badly damaged by all of the events that had gone on days before. And they were, they were on the back end of everything that in that city. Jesus had been crushed. His words had been brought to nothing. So the city thought. And Jesus meets privately in the room with these men. And he says this. I want, I want to bring this back to your, to your mind this morning as we mentioned it last week. So Jesus said, John 20, verse 21 to 22. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. Now this is a wonderful statement that Jesus makes. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So he tells them here exactly what had happened in the Father sending him. And then on the back end of it, he says, listen, it's in, the, in the same way that the Father sent me, I'm going to send you. And then he empowered them and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He didn't say go to Bible school for three years. Nothing wrong with Bible school. But everything that they needed for the world in which they were about to enter was all in the Holy Spirit whom they received when he breathed on them. I'm telling you now, you don't have to look for the, you don't have to, to look for the latest books. You don't have to listen to the latest DVDs, Christian TV. Listen to it. It's all good. But I'm telling you now, the only equipper that you need is the Holy Spirit that lives within you for the world in which you live. It really is. I'm telling you now, you can't be empowered by man to reach a lost, dark, broken world that's hell-bent and, and sitting in darkness. You can't, be, you can't be equipped by a man or a woman. You can only be equipped by God himself. Jesus says to them, the way the Father sent me, I'm going to send you. Now, in order for us to understand how he is sending us, we need to ask the question, well, how did the Father send Jesus? I'm sending you, boys, in the way that the Father sent me. They had been with him for three years. They had watched him closely. Deal with many, many situations. And he was assuring them, listen guys, you've seen me for the last three years. You've seen how the Father sent me. I want you to know there's not going to be any difference between the way that the Father sent me and the way that I'm sending you. So how did the Father send Jesus? Well, I can tell you this from John chapter 1. He sent him full of grace and truth. John, the apostle, in his opening chapter, 
tells us very clearly in that chapter that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Jesus was not sending his disciples to enforce the law, to enforce the Ten Commandments, to, to be the police people in the city. He was, he was calling them to be full of the same grace and truth that he walked into his world with. When he sends us into our world, we're not going to pull people over the coals about their lifestyle. We're not going to pull people over the coals with the Ten Commandments. My God, we'd all be disqualified before we started because we broke every ten. And if there'd been a 12, 13, I'd have broken the other three too. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just for you to know, 100% sinner, saved by 100% grace. We were out there in the mess, in darkness, and light shone into our dark place. And light is going to shine into their dark place, not to expose sin, but it's a light that shines forth life. It's an inviting life. It's an, inv an inviting light. It's an involving light. It's a light that welcomes home. It's a light that shows people that there's a family that care. It's a light that glorifies Jesus and says, listen, he'll never leave you, never forsake you. He'll save you. He'll heal you. He'll make you whole. In the same way that the Father sent Jesus. Oh, how their minds must have gone back in days after this this declaration, how their minds must have been filled. Well, the father sent him and he turned water into wine. The father sent him and remember that he, he raised that little boy out of the coffin. It was the father that sent Jesus and you, you saw him. He touched lepers and the leper became clean. And prostitutes fell at his feet and cried for forgiveness and worshipped him. And he welcomed them. It, it, was, it was the father that sent him that caused him to be a friend of sinners, not a foe, not a corrector, not, not, not somebody that points out sin, but a friend that would sit and relax with them and listen to them and embrace them. As the Father sent Jesus, so he's sending us. I encourage you to look at how the Father sent Jesus because it wasn't just with word, it was with deed, it was with action. And when I think of these things, it challenges me. It challenges me to say, oh Lord, my life, thank you for it. But I want it to be used by you. I want you to hold it. I want you to take it and make it and do what you would have done with it. I don't want it just to be, you know... Um, a period of time where I just do my thing. I want to build your church with your people. And I want to reach the world in which your church has been positioned. Their minds must have gone to all of the various wonderful things that Jesus did as he was sent by the Father. Jesus was sent by the Father and therefore the Father anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. He's sending us. You are anointed by the Holy Spirit. You may say, well, I don't feel anointed. Well, neither do I. Neither do I. But we can be assured somehow there is an anointing on our lives to help people, to help them to save them, to bring them into that place of connection with Jesus. The Father sent Jesus. He was anointed. He healed sick people. 
you can be confident of the fact that Jesus, when opportunity comes your way to pray for somebody, you can be confident that as you just pray for them, you can be confident that God is actually going to hear that prayer. And he, whether he does it immediately or over time, he is going to heal that body. We believe that. Jesus was sent by the Father. And in sending Jesus, the Father backed him up. Jesus wasn't insufficient for any situation. We said that. Just imagine, Faye mentioned it this morning. Jesus turning up in the field and huge amounts of people and they're all hungry. They've been with him two or three days listening to him. And now they're flagging. And they were about to leave and, and Jesus could see the predicament that people were in. They were going to go home and some of them were going to fall faint as a result of going home. Well, Jesus wasn't insufficient for that moment. He was more than sufficient. He had more than sufficient faith to trust his father. More than sufficient faith to believe that word. He was the embodiment of that word. But not only just to have a promise box and quote scripture glibly into the air like a rabbit's foot hoping it will work. No, an absolute confidence that what he would declare would come about. Imagine, imagine having that kind of confidence. That is the confidence that you're growing in. That is the confidence that grace brings you to. And Jesus is sending us. You're going, to be, you're going to be sufficient for the situations that meet you, my friends. You really are. And sometimes you may feel that they are bigger than your ability to meet. You go into a home and, and, and it's just exploded with hurt and pain and, and, and difficulty and, and situations are all crazy. You may have people in your life like that. Right now, I have where I'm praying for people. They don't even know that I'm praying. But I'm praying for them. Because unless God acts and unless God works in that situation, the whole thing's going to explode and, and, and disintegrate and children are going to be up without fathers and mothers. This is the world that Jesus sends us into. It's not a pleasant world. It's a world that's, you know, you know I don't have to tell you. It's dark, it's hard. It's callous. But you know what? He's sending you. He's sending me. And on, the, on knowing that he's sending us, we can be assured that you will have the anointing to heal the sick. I've never prayed for a sick person. Well, somebody may come your way this week. Just reach out. I'm polite. Look, I'll, I'll give you a heads up. Just say, listen, I don't want to offend you, but I believe that Jesus can heal you. Would you mind if I pray for you in his name? I'm telling you now, 95% of the time people will say yes. They really will. They really will. If you say it graciously, if you say it with a genuine love, which you will. But because the Father is sending us, you can be assured that he will give you the anointing, the anointing to deal with. And, the, and let me, the anointing can deal with anything, absolutely anything. There is not a situation in this world, and there are millions of situations. The anointing can level anything. The anointing is the Holy Spirit, and he's here. I'm telling you now, the Holy Spirit can level anything, any sickness, any disease, any 
mind issue, any, anything that plagues hu uh, human beings that the, the anointing can deal with. You can be assured as you go to work, as you're, in your, as you're with your family, as you're with your friends, that the same power that rested on Jesus as a result of the Father sending him rests on you because he's sending you. And this is what he said to his disciples. I'm sending you, boys. I'm sending you. A number of days later, he met with them again. And he told them about how big it really was going to be. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the good news. Maybe when, you know, they heard the word world, they were thinking, well, maybe just down the street. And then Jesus just broadened their understanding. He said, first go to Jerusalem. And that was a massive problem right there. Because they'd just been run out of Jerusalem. They'd been terribly defeated in Jerusalem. Jesus had been crucified, taken by the Romans, publicly executed. All of the slanderous remarks and all of the lies and all of the mess and the darkness that had gone on in Jerusalem. And the first thing that happens when Jesus rises from the dead is he doesn't go to all of the Roman leaders and all of the religious leaders to sort them out. He goes straight to his disciples and says, right, go back to Jerusalem. You see, sometimes God leads you back into your place of darkness, into your place of defeat, to give you your greatest victory. So he tells them, listen, yeah, I know we got hit bad in Jerusalem. I know that we were on our back heels in Jerusalem. I know that we got run out of the city and they put me in a tomb, but I've been risen from the dead. I'm telling you now, the church is not a natural organization. It is a spiritual living organism. It is supernatural where Jesus Christ is at the center. He is the head. And if he tells you to go back into Jerusalem, Jerusalem is the place to go back into. They're hiding from everybody in Jerusalem behind closed doors. And a number of days later, after Jesus had given them his peace and said, receive my Holy Spirit by breathing on them, he says, right, boys, back into Jerusalem. Oh, Lord, but I thought we might be able to go, you know, to Europe. I thought we might be able to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. Like you said, no, first Jerusalem. Before you get to the end of the earth, let's conquer Jerusalem. Let's have victory where we faced our darkest moment. Let's have victory where we faced our greatest defeat. Let's show them the power of, of who I am. Let's show them that when I declare I will build my church, build it, I will. And the gates of hell will not prevail against me. And you know what? They hid in an upper room for 40 days, getting the stuff right between themselves, sorting out all of the arguments, all of the differences, all of the character, you know, changes that had gone on. And suddenly when they were of one accord in Acts chapter 2, it says like a violent rushing wind, the Spirit of God came into that upper room and they couldn't stay in the room any longer. They ran out into the streets, started speaking in probably over 30 different languages so that men in their own tongue heard the gospel proclaimed through simple uneducated disciples and the, the church was birthed 
And 3,000 people on that day got saved. I'm telling you now, when God gets on a human being, when God gets at the center of your life, anything can happen. It's incredible. It's incredible. It really is. And he sends them out. He sends them out. And out they went with great power. Out they went with great authority. And they began to do all of the things that Jesus had declared for them to do. John chapter 20. He says, I'm sending you out. I thought about this this morning. Maybe they could have thought, well, Jesus, you haven't said what building you've bought for us that we can call church. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? No, boys, you are the building. The building is not the church. I thank God for this building. God gave us this building. He gave Pastor Ray this building nearly 30 years ago. It was a God thing, without a doubt. And many thousands of people have come into this building. They've been blessed by this building. They've been saved and healed. It's wonderful to have a building. Thank God we haven't got to meet in the snow, okay? But the priority is never the building. Got to look after it. Got to keep it nice and warm. Got to do what we can to do. But the priority must never be the bricks and mortar. The church is not the building. The church is the people. We are the body. And he sends them out with no building. He sends them out. He said, listen, you're going to get a catch of fish that you've, you, you can't even anticipate how big it's going to be, boys. You're going to have to stack up in your homes. You're going to have to use everything that you've got. And your homes are going to burst. Your homes are going to be too small. But then it's going to go from home to home to home. From town to town to town. From nation to nation. And it's going to, it's going to exceed anything that you can ever imagine. And it's going to go all over the globe. And so it did. So it did. And that's why, you know, we, we place a priority here. One, probably... After meeting together collectively like this on a Sunday morning, equally to that is our connect groups. It really is. It really is. If you are not in a connect group, please, I would love you to be in a connect group because your heart will be knit in fellowship with, with other hearts. You will be able to be a blessing to others as they will be able to be a blessing to you. And it's the pattern. It is the pattern of Scripture. To be in, to be in a home. You know there's something special about a home. It's hard to define. It's hard to describe. But there's something that happens when people meet in the name of Jesus in a home. It's different even to this large auditorium. There's something intimate. There's something precious. There's something that's, that brings closeness. You can't hide away in a home. You can't hide away in a small group. And sometimes that's why maybe we, we don't go to them. But if you're part of this house, if, you're, if your heart is here, please, I'm asking you, let's, let's be a, a church that don't only meet 
in a big setting like this, but let's be a church that meet in small groups. You say, well, Dave, there's not one near me. Well, travel to one then. Travel to one. You travel to go to the movies. You travel to go shopping. We traveled probably 40 miles yesterday to go and buy some nice Christmas stars for the church. And then we went to Cardiff. We'll travel for, for 101 reasons to go places. The priority is our connect groups. It really is. If you're not in one, please, I implore you at this time to get in one, to be in one. You can see Dave, David, he's not going to like me for this now. Come on, stand up, Dave. Do Anne stand for us. <laughs> Dave and Sarah, absolutely fantastic people. Do you know what? They head up our, our connect groups. Or, hey, listen, you might be able to host a connect group. You might be able to open your home to have people into it, to welcome them in, and to have a... You, you say, well, not many people would want to come. Well, how do you know until you open your home? Would you be willing to open your home for the cause of Christ? For the cause of Christ? For the cause of his church that he's building? Would you be willing to open your home and put it on the line and say, look, Lord Jesus, this home isn't there just for me to enjoy. We open up. Listen, when you open your home and the dirty washing is all over the, all over the floor, what, you, what do you do? You just lift up the sofa, throw it underneath and welcome everybody in. It's easy, isn't it? It's fantastic, church. You know, when, when, when the... When the kids' toys are strewn all over the floor, I'm talking, we talk, we're talking from, you know, from experience here. When, and, 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 and I've done this. This is a man thing. Man thing. Women don't know anything about what I'm about to say. But I'm going to teach you this morning, ladies. Hallelujah. When you're not looking, I want to tell you what every man, every husband does. When the kids' toys... Little, you know, those little toys that make you angry and you pick one up and there's about 6,000 of them on the floor, man. They make you so angry. Pick this one up and there's still another. So listen, man solution, man solution. Ladies would be there, oh, precious, lovely, oh, we love them. Put their toys away. Man solution, very powerful vacuum cleaner. Man solution, man thinking. Come on, men. Hallelujah for men, men. I tell you now, there's a solution to everything. When women come to you and they ask you a question and I don't know this and I, yeah, and, a, and a man comes with the solution. It shall be this way. And he's not empathizing and the woman wants empathy and all oh, love and tenderness. And then the man says, I, I'll give you tenderness now. Do this, 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 this and this. And he has a machine gun of solutions. I do it all the time. And Faye says, oh my God, you'll learn one day. I'm good at solutions, aren't I? Yes. So, all the toys on the floor, right? Yeah, I've tried to get big ones up there as well. I don't care, man. The doll's arm is up there and then, hallelujah. Bang it all up there, that's what I say. Right? There's everything on the floor. And then... But this, it, this is not where it ends. And I've done it. I openly confess to you. 
right? And we'll do it in the future because it works, friends. It works. Have you ever had the dinner table where there's food and cabbage and gravy and, and crumbs? Bang the hoover on it, man. Why do you waste time, women, getting the cloth out and wiping it off and putting it on there? Forget that. Bang the hoover straight on. And also, you've got the kitchen countertops. Yeah, bang it on. Get the hoover out. That little Henry, I tell you what, when I get on it, there's not a smile on his face. There's fear in his eyes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, church. Man solutions. Yeah. So, ah, growing in grace. It's amazing what grace will enable you to do, free you up. Yeah, so how did we get on that? I do not know. I do not know. Huh? Connect groups. Yeah. So listen, if, you, if your house is a mess, right? If it's a mess, don't worry about it. Just get the hoover out. Hoover everything in sight. I've even hoovered clothes up, man. I'm telling you, I've had socks up there and everything. But that's, yeah, that's when I'm really in a rush, right? <laughs> Only if I'm in a rush, the jeans go up, their clothes, everything, go on. It'll be all right. We can get them out after. So, but listen, get in a connect group. Get in a connect group. And sometimes, do you know some of our connect groups, maybe have, there's been times where there have been two or three in them. Colwyn and Anne faithfully led a connect group for a long time with, how many? Not, not a lot. Sometimes three or four. Now it's bursting at the seams. Bursting at the seams. They haven't got enough room. In fact, Cole was talking about one, uh, on one occasion about going every week and splitting the connect group in two because they didn't have enough room in their house to, co to, to contain the people that have been coming. Please, I, I, I know I'm pushing the connect groups, but I tell you now it's a pattern in Scripture. The early disciples, the, the grace of God was mightily upon them, mightily upon them. The power of Jesus was all over them. And as they went out, they, they went out in the same way that Jesus was sent and, and the kingdom of God went forward. People were brought into this wonderful news of forgiveness, this wonderful news where their lives could change and the old could go and the new could come. People were brought into all of the wonderful things that Jesus had, had done formerly. And, and when they crucified and killed him, they thought that it was going to be an end to what Jesus could do. But it was only the beginning. It was Jesus, when he died and rose from the dead, was only opening a door for many, many thousands of other people to walk in the same grace that he had walked in, walk in the same anointing and the same power and, and the same ability that he had. He was just opening the door. For us to walk into our world and change it. Amen? Amen. Well, that's gone in a bit of a different way this morning. But that's all right. That really is. It really is. I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. Absolutely fantastic. We're going to have a great two weeks ahead of us. Pastor Stephen Matthews with us next week. We met Stephen probably about three years ago in Berlin, of all places. Didn't know him. And a uh, bit of a long story, but God was behind it. 
God was behind it. So please come for that. You're going to really, really enjoy Steve. He's got a pastor's heart, a wise man, been used greatly of God to build the church and to equip many churches. So you can bring your friends to that. We're going to have a great day. The week after, Pastor Ray's home. Woohoo! Fantastic. He's been having an incredible time traveling. And um, I'm sure we're going to know and hear about lots and lots of stories. And like Faye mentioned, um, that's December the 4th when Pastor Ray's here. But I've asked Pastor Ray, if possible, to uh, come up to John, uh, John Frost Square, Friars Walk. Friars Walk with us and maybe sing some songs and uh, possibly preach, you know, see how, see how things go, um, which he's really excited about. So it's gonna, we've got two great weeks ahead of us and then going into Christmas, there's so many reasons why we can bring people into this place. There's so many reasons, but not only just wait to bring them into this place, bring them into their homes, bring them into our homes, but get out into their homes. In their workplace, where you are, there's going to be opportunity all around us. Lord, we just pray right now, in these closing moments, just simply spoke your word today. Holy Spirit, I pray for each person here. You know all of the challenges that are ahead. You know the opportunities that you're going to place before each one of us. We pray that we would see them with your eyes and we would seize them and take hold of them and bring glory to you, that your church would be built in this city, this nation, this land. We ask it in Jesus' name. Now, while eyes are closed right now, maybe today you're here and you've never invited Jesus Christ into your heart. You say, Dave, do you know what? I've never asked Jesus into my heart. I've never prayed a prayer. That's okay. Today's the day. It really is. Jesus has brought you into this place so that you can know him, that you can begin a relationship with him from this moment on. The Bible says that today, it says today if you hear his voice and don't harden your heart, but you call on his name, you shall be saved. So today, maybe you've heard his voice. You've heard a whisper. You know that this is right. I'm going to pray right now. While eyes are closed, I'm going to give you an opportunity through this prayer just to invite Jesus in a simple way into your heart. Just say this with me quietly in your heart. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me to forgive me of my sin. I accept that. I ask you for forgiveness. I want to make my peace with you. I believe that you rose from the dead. Lord, I thank you that the life I now live, I live for you. Amen. Now, while eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer, would you quickly lift your hand up? I'll see it. Hey, well done, Paul. I said, Anne, just keep your hands lifted. Is there anybody else? We're going to give you a little Bible. Anybody else? Takes courage to do it. Jesus didn't say, if you lift your hand, you'll be saved. He said, just call from your heart. But we ask you to lift your hand because sometimes it just helps you. 
to acknowledge him publicly and it's a great start into your Christian life. That's it. There's a, is that, are you lifting your hand at the back, sir? No, just scratching your head? Yeah. Oh, it's Andreen. Sorry, Andreen. I said, sir. <laughs> Sorry, my love. Fantastic. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing. Faye's going to give us a few announcements. So, or one announcement tonight for tonight. So don't rush off. Bless you. Have a great week. You're being sent into your world. And I'm being sent into my world as another week begins. And Lord, we want it to count for you, Jesus. We don't want it to just count for us. But we want it to count for you. In Jesus' name. Amen.